Hey, it's Bo the Contemplative Trucker. It is April 16th, 7.20 at night with my sunglasses on in Alaska. I delivered safely in Anchorage yesterday and we're required to take a break. So I'm taking my break before I head back at a more leisurely pace. So I'm not going to tell exactly where I am uh, in this right now but i am outside of anchorage and we'll just leave it at that it is it is sunny and 50 something degrees and very strange to see pictures and reports of the interstate closed i-80 closed in wyoming because of all the snow and seeing pictures of all the snow in colorado and here i am in anchorage um or in alaska not anchorage uh with sunglasses on so i've got no complaints about the weather um, another driver lloyd tubbs who i would recommend following i don't know if lloyd is interested in followers but you can find him on facebook and do it anyway uh, he posts a lot of alaska pictures and he was here last week and i think he saw 20 below 30 below so i feel very fortunate with from um, the weather standpoint. So if y'all bear with me, I think that the, it'll be the type thing the podcast will improve over time as I learn what I'm doing. Um, I'm a little disappointed that it's not picked up by Apple iTunes yet. There's a there's some kind of problem and I've sent in a technical support ticket. But uh, after that gets up and running i don't know that kind of i kind of feel like i'm in beta mode right now because i'm just posting it on my facebook and really that's the only people who are going to see it but after you can search in a podcast app spotify or itunes or whatever and people will start finding it and then i'll be a little bit more self-conscious maybe but now i'm just kind of learning what i'm doing i think the the standard format is going to be Tell you what I'm doing, then talk about the topic of the day, and then answer questions or reply to comments because people may not ask questions. And if I don't have any comments or questions, I'll make something up. So I think that's going to be kind of the format. I think as long as I keep it short, like like tw like 20 minutes seems to be a good length. And so if I keep it short enough, my regular guy not radio voice uh awkward pauses lots of ums and ahs i think that'll be less annoying if i keep the episode short so that's sort of the plan going forward i i need a, a better image it's just a picture of that i took out of the windshield one day that i'm currently using as an image i think i need something better than that so if anybody out there has any graphic design skills and want to, sorry about that. I was interrupted. Um, there seems to be a Murphy's Law that if you're trying to record a podcast on a truck, something noisy will happen around your truck. Much like if you're trying to, if you go into a theater and you're and you're like me and you're anal retentive and you and you want to get there in time for the previews and get the perfect seat, if you put the extra effort into doing that then Murphy's Law says 
a noisy family will sit behind you and munch popcorn and talk during the movie the entire time. So anyway, I think I was talking about uh, the image for the podcast and uh, there's the famous statue of the thinker. And since I'm, since this is called the contemplative trucker, although I haven't done that much contemplating, I mean, what have I talked about? I told a bathroom story and um, what else did I talk about? Meghan Markle and a Bumble profile. So the, I have not covered many deep subjects thus far. I don't know that contemplative trucker really is, is a great answer. It's a great title, but we're going to roll with it. Um, so maybe like uh, if I can, I think on the way back home is what I'm trying to spit out. I'm going to try to pose for a picture of the thinker statue, sort of copy that, that idea, maybe sitting in front of the truck or something. But if any of you have any graphic art um, skills and you're willing to work for cheap, I would love help with my uh, Crawford Brothers Facebook page, which I is total half-ass. And after this podcast hits iTunes, I'm going to make a Facebook page um, so that people have access to it other than just my friends. And... Or I would rather have somebody who knows what they're doing make the Facebook page. You know, I don't know. So many of my friends have face have Facebook pages for their various endeavors, so it can't be that hard. Yet uh, I seem to to suck at it. So anyway, okay, I wanted to talk about my trip up, um, and wanted to talk about the wildlife. So usually when I come up here, I see a lot of bears. And the route that I took up here through British Columbia, lots of black bears. The grizzly bears are easier to photograph, I think because they're top of the food chain and they're just not scared. And so they cooperate more with the camera, but the black bears are more skittish, but they're cute. The ones in British Columbia have, a lot of them have like a white on their chest. So, um, Oh, there's an old breed that used to be in Labrador that Labrador retrievers actually descend from. And and that's why when Labrador retrievers breed with other dogs, like frequently there's white on the chest. They, I think they call it a tux because there'll be white on the chest and maybe some white on the cuffs. And uh, so, but the bears have that tux color. And I think pretty much anybody who loves labs would just love these bears. But anyway, I saw no bears this trip. Um, it's just so weird. Like the first trip I made to Alaska last year was about one month later. So it was in May. Saw lots of bears and the, the woods, are, it's just like a rainforest. It's like a jungle. It is so thick. And whatever the bears, you know, the, the bears love to eat that vegetation, whatever it is. And so for it to be, have so much snow and to think of just the dramatic change is, is just, it's just 
nature just blows my mind how it can change so dramatically. And the last trip I took up here was in October. And October was winter. It was, it was full winter. And here I am six months later in April, full winter. Um, like this is the first week of spring and up here. And so it just amazes me that that it can be so full of life and so full of um, thick vegetation, given that how much of the year is winter. Anyway, so coming up, didn't see any bears. Uh, saw three moose. I always want to call them meeses. And uh, saw some reindeer, uh, which caribou, which there's a park that we drive through coming from a different direction than I came. But this is the first time I've seen big herds of caribou in Alaska. And so I guess, you know, I guess that's like, you know, you've driven north when you're when you're seeing herds of reindeer. Um, so that was pretty cool. I've never really seen herds of wild reindeer like that. Um, a little little bit of trivia. The female caribou have horns, not always. But a lot of female caribou have horns. And so I guess this trip, I saw groups of males and groups of females. So it was the first time I could tell that the males have really these giant horns and the females are, are, are more dainty. But, I mean, they still have what you would consider a rack. Like if it was a whitetail, you would want to mount it because it's, you know, it's a serious enough rack even on the females that you'd want to mount it. But um, I'm sure some feminists are, you know, find great satisfaction in that, that the, that species has, 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 has equality and the women can gore and um, disembowel potentially uh, animal foes just, just as well as the men. Um, I'm not sure I like that. I think I like the gazelle. Like if I had to, like the the women that I, the strong women that I really admire embrace their feminine strengths. And so I don't know that I'm really down with having puncture rib breaking horns on the females, but it is what it is. And it's an awesome sight to see up here. But the animal that I saw that was the highlight of the trip was I saw a wolf. And I'm 50 years old. I've only seen one wolf and my other wolf in my life in the wild. And that was in Canada. And I would describe it as a timber wolf. I'm by no means a wolf expert, having only seen two. But the timber wolf was freezing your tracks spooky and, and it, it does not look you know like the what at least what 
what you'd visualize is the typical wolf. A timber wolf does not look like that. A timber wolf looks like a the scariest animal in the woods. Um, a gray wolf is just a beautiful animal, and I, and it didn't uh, scare me at all. Of course, I was in the truck, but I just I just thought it was awesome, and I saw it running through the snow, and it had to make jumps like almost like you see a dog jump off a dock or or the it was having to do these lunges to almost jump out of the snow and then crash back in it with each hop and um you could just sort of see the power of it because it would be to watch it cross that that open area with all that snow and i don't think i could have done it i don't think a man could have done it like if you think about lord of the rings and at least in the books there's the, where they describe boromir pushing through using his shield and having to push through the snow and how exhausting it is and they just couldn't make it like a man just couldn't do it but the 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 wolf is able to jump and make hops to get through that kind of snow. And I'm sure it doesn't travel like that all the time, but but anyway, I witnessed that. It's only the second wolf I've ever seen in my life. Um, I'm sure he looked enormous because he still had his winter coat, but it was it was just an incredible sight. So for the topic du jour, I want to talk about uh, the mattresses, but I forgot to mention something about the reindeer. I feel like, because, you know, I'm driving for days with no signal, and so this is what I do, is I think about these, these crazy things. So when I say the contemplative trucker, I didn't necessarily mean I was thinking about important things, but so... I realized that the female deer have, or female caribou have horns. And that got me thinking. So when I watched Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer as a child, did Clarice have horns? I'm not sure the answer to that. I know that they're young in a lot of the show, so uh, so I'm sure she did not have horns as a young doe, but when she grew up to uh, a, a full, I mean, it seems, wasn't there, like, didn't they have to gore the the, the, the abominable snowman or something? I'm forgetting all this, but th so did Clarice ever show up with horns or were we lied to? That's what I want to know. Anybody knows the answer to that? Please let me know. Okay, so I wanted to talk about um, talk about this this load. So I took mattresses. So I was parked uh, down on the Oregon border, and an agent knew I was in the area looking for a load, and and this load comes up late on Friday night. All right, so how did the load come up? 
I asked around and it was supposed to go by ship. There's a port in Tacoma and I went and picked this up on Saturday, which is awesome to see actually all the cranes and warehouses and trains and trucks and ships all merging in the same place. It's just an awesome facility to see. But uh, anyway, the these mattresses were supposed to come by truck, I think from California, and it's a regular shipment and it missed the boat. It missed the boat because the driver ran out of hours 20 minutes away from delivery. And uh, Big Brother, a lot of people don't know this, but I'll try to just describe it briefly. We all have electronic tracking devices in our trucks. This is by law. And uh, we're only allowed to drive so many hours in a day. We have to have so many hours rest and so on and so forth. And so this, I don't know if he ran into traffic or what, but this, this driver ran out of hours before he could get to the warehouse so that the mattresses could get on the boat. And uh, so that is, uh, that is how they missed, missed the ship. So you would think, okay, well, no problem. We'll just send them on the next ship. But I feel like what happened is the the shipping company that's in charge of getting this regular shipment to Anchorage wanted to make their the delivery commitment to uh, to the customer, and so they were willing to pay a lot extra to pay me to rush up here and deliver it by truck. And what's usual, unusual about that is a shipping container is 40 feet long. My trailer is 53 feet long. Um, usually when, or, or a high percentage of time, when we're driving to Alaska, it's something that's longer than 40 feet. So it won't fit in a regular storage container. And that's why they send it by truck. Or the truck is way full. The trailer is way full. So it's the the trailer is just my trailer is just a bigger box than a shipping container, and if they want to put it all in the same box, it's easier to send it by truck. So that's a couple of situations that um, I commonly come across for driving to Alaska, because by far, excuse me, I just said that I was going to keep the episodes 20 minutes. And I'm blowing that out of the water now. Anyway, um, so those are the situations where typically they'll, they'll hire a truck to drive to Alaska. Well, so this was so unusual because it, it was not a full trailer. And it was not something that was longer than 40 feet long. Uh, and the reason why is simply that the 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 shipping company really wanted to make that commitment to or honor their commitment to um, to their customer. And so an analogy would be if you can imagine in school and for a semester you got straight A's all year and then for one assignment you just goofed and you forgot the assignment and you had a zero. Well, that would bring your GPA way down for that class. 
having that zero. So what would you do to make up for that zero and, and keep your GPA in good standing with your customer? Okay, I'm mixing metaphors here, but you get what I'm saying. So it was worth it to them to pay me to come up here in order to keep their GPA from, from dropping with that customer. So that's the mystery. I would like, love to call this episode 000 because I just watched the show on Amazon Prime. Uh, 000 though, the, the show is called 000 because the book, the, the um, nonfiction book is called 000. And the nonfiction book is uh, called that because 000 is the purest form of cocaine. And I'm chicken to, to use that analogy because I don't want any more hassle than I already get from customs. Um, we do have to do deal with customs paperwork and stuff um, driving up here. So I'll have to name it something else. But that's one reason why this was on my brain is because I just watched that series. And so as I'm hanging out in the Porta Tacoma, it's cool to see all the ships and stuff. And and I'm thinking about that, that mini series where they're trying to get the cocaine to Italy. I think it's Italy. And uh and there are uh challenges along the way that require it to be transferred to truck at at, at one point so um so that's the story of the zero 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 mattresses Okay, gonna reply to some Facebook comments. Um, I posted a video on my Facebook in which I took, when I was driving up here, I took a Swiffer and used it as a measuring stick to measure the, the depth of the snow on the ground, which I, I keep wanting to call that ground cover, but I don't know that that's, I'm sure there's a technical word for snow on the ground. But I feel like for April 13th, and I still haven't measured that, but I think I'm guessing it was four feet. Four feet of snow is just seems like a shitload of snow to me. Uh, I'm spent most of my life in Alabama and Mississippi, so it feels like a shitload of snow to me. And the part of it that blows my mind is when I was last there in October. There was a shitload of snow in October, but not four feet. But I mean, you've, you know, I, I figured a lot of it would melt, and I'm sure it did. But um, four feet just seems like a lot of snow on on April 13th. And uh, so Terry Joe Andrews, who lives in the Upper Peninsula, I'm not. Like there's a spit of land that goes out on, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's Halton or what, but uh, I think she lives up there. But anyway, she said, I still have snow in my yard, an inch expected today with an average snowfall of over 300 inches per season. Nice Swiffer though. So I think she's pretty much saying 
hold my beer. If you want to see some real snow, come check us out up here. And I looked it up. I looked it up. Halton, if I'm saying that right, Michigan, averages 207 inches a year. Now, if this was a bad snow year, very well could have been 300 inches. I don't know. But that, that on average, it's 207 inches a year. That is in-fucking-sane. Insane. Uh, Deese Lake, British Columbia, which I feel like is the closest town to, to where I use that Swiffer, averages 84 inches a year now i would be surprised if uh, if upper peninsula michigan still had four feet on the ground but they might i mean so so anyway that just blows my mind i want to go up there i want to see the whole smelting thing i want to uh that would be fun so uh I feel like it's getting about that time of year. I don't know. I mean, is 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 I don't know much about Lake Superior. Has has ice even melted? Feels like it should. Feels like it should. If Amherst, Wisconsin, was have had an 80 degree day, then um, then surely the lakes are melt. Lake Superior is melting by now, but uh, which means it's got to be getting close to smelting season. But uh, Anyway, that is uh, that is fucking insane, and so I will humbly admit that British Columbia, as much snow as it has, which is a lot, um, is beat by um, by Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and I'm sure Ontario and uh, is saying the same thing. I'm sure they have lake effect snow. Too. Um, but the thing I experienced, and I don't know that I explained it well, at one stretch on this drive, the snow was higher than the truck. And I don't mean like, you know, on a on a on a regular road with a shoulder where they the snow plows push it off to the side. I mean, because this is a mountain, little two two lane road with no shoulder i think they ran out of room and had to use the bulldozers to i'm not i'm not explaining how it got there well but the bottom line is there was a wall of snow that was taller than the truck so it felt like you were driving in a tunnel or an alley like a vertical wall of snow and when you pass another truck, you had to, like, you know, put your passenger side mirror over by the wall, and he had to do the same thing. He had to creep by each other, and it's and it was melting fast. But I just feel like it's probably um, like they had a really heavy snow year to see that. the The most similar thing I've seen is um, outside of Reno by the name of what's the What's the ski town outside of Reno across the California line? I don't know why that pass's name is escaping me. But anyway, that place gets a ton of snow. And I've seen 
pictures of a similar type deal there, but still, that's not, that's not like a remote highway like Highway 37 is. So anyway, I don't think I did a good job of explaining that in the video, and I don't think I'm doing a good job of explaining it now. The snow was impressive to me, uh, and I think I think it was a lot of snow. I think that aspect of it was something you don't see normal normally um around here i mean i don't know in iceland or something maybe you see it shit but it's unusual stuff i mean i know i've seen videos of it in north alaska so there's a when i've parked north of fairbanks before um i can't remember what the highway is called either but um, I've been tempted to drive on it just to say that I've crossed the, into the Arctic Circle because I feel like that's like 100 miles from the Arctic Circle. Um, but I've looked at videos of what that road is like in the winter, and it's exactly what I'm trying, what I'm poorly trying to describe right now. So the next comment I want to reply to is uh, from Terry Wilhite, and so. I had, in the last episode, discussed there's reasons why a guy may not reply to a message other than he's just not interested. And Terry Wilhite's reply is, in response to online dating, why even have a profile if you never have time to read 7,000 messages? And in your scanning, believe me, if you see a woman that piques your interest, you'll make the time. That's just reality, yeah? guilty. So I agree with that. So if you're madly crazy over somebody, you'll make the time to reply. Guilty, that is true. If you see the message, if you see the message, uh, you know, I've, I'm sure that I've overlooked messages that I wish I hadn't overlooked, kicking myself for overlooking the message. But, uh, Generally, what you said is 100% true. But in reply to the original premise, if the guy's not replying, it means he's not interested. I still disagree with that because there's a lot of space between peak interest and not interested. It could be it's somewhere in between. And certainly, if you're driving through the British Columbia wilderness and don't have a signal for two days, then nobody's getting a reply and no messages are being seen and no alerts are being given. And um, and another part of this comment, why even have a profile? Uh, my profile's turned off. That's why I turn my profile off when I when I don't have a signal. And but I am thinking about turning it back on because. I find the idea of making an over-honest profile so humorous. I think it would be fun to turn it on to see what kind of responses I get to the over-honest profile. Um, but I, I do, I haven't done that yet. Not sure I am because it might be a little bit of a dick move to have a profile because you're really looking for entertaining replies rather than uh, genuine
dating interest. So that feels like a little bit of a dick move. So I'm not 100% sure that I'm going to do it. But I feel like a lot of people on Bumble would appreciate it. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how bored I get. I guess as a final thing about the dating profile is I'm neurotic. I have mixed emotions. I'm neurotic. I admit it. Uh, so let me just put that out there for the whole world to understand. So sorry for that interruption. That's probably a rough edit, but uh, lots, lots of interruptions today while I'm trying to record the podcast. Anyway, I was explaining that I'm neurotic. And what I mean by that is uh, cognitive dissonance would be another way to say it, mixed emotions. Uh, so the idea of growing old with somebody sounds very nice. And the idea of having having a soulmate and a teammate, that sounds nice. And when I get home from being on the road for weeks, having a, a, a hug and a home-cooked meal sounds wonderful. So being in a relationship sounds great. But doing the work to develop that relationship doesn't sound great. <laughs> I've had it. And most people that are, you know, most people that are my age that are single have had it too. I mean, it's dating nowadays is way more intense and it's way, it's just tough. So people who say they don't have any baggage are full of baloney. Nobody who's dated at my age is baggage free. Nobody. So I definitely have mixed emotions about dating and um and i know that i send mixed signals and i'm a hundred i'm just calling myself out right now or disclosing it to the world particularly what triggers me is as a truck driver i am under constant pressure to for to meet delivery times constant pressure this trip to Alaska, for example, um, I ended up getting the paperwork late. So I had to negotiate when I could get it here and to, to get them to like agree to something reasonable. And then right out of the gate, there was a delay with Seattle traffic and with paperwork. And so like if you're if you run appointments all day, have you ever like been late for the first appointment and you know the rest of the day is going to be screwed up? Well, it's like that, except it's a whole week of being screwed up. And it's I just cannot tell you how stressful it is. And so adding another commitment to my calendar is I, I will shut down. I know I have a mental block. I know I will shut down. Everybody's neurotic about something. I'm explaining what I'm neurotic about. So, you know, dating should be fun. You should like, and and there's a great TED's talk um, that talks about the zero date. So the really the way dating should work, you talk to somebody online. Uh, I'm interested, you're interested, great. Let's meet for one drink or let's meet for a cup of coffee. And it's no pressure. And um, really, at that date, you're just trying to decide, will I go on a real date with this person? 
could I sit across the table from him or her and talk for two hours and that be an enjoyable conversation? That's all you're trying to determine at the zero date. So for somebody with a normal life, that's not, not a big deal. For me, it's a huge deal. It is, it is the equivalent of like if you, if you wanted to meet in Green Bay for a cup of coffee with me, I'm sorry, I have to pause this because um, Harley people think that it's uh, cool to, they, they say, look at me, look at me, look at me when they make too much noise with their motorcycles. So my apologies for that. This, uh, this episode is cursed with interruptions. Um, I think what's going on is it's Friday afternoon, Friday night. People have had their mic, their motorcycles in the garage all winter, looking, <laughs> making big payments on the motorcycles, just looking at it, just sitting there. And this was this is the first weekend they're able to get them out. So, um, so can't blame them for that. Um, anyway, what I was trying to explain is for a normal person. Going and meeting for a coffee is no big deal. For me, it's the equivalent of having to catch three connecting flights and having the stress of if one flight's delayed, then I'm going to miss the connecting flight. And even though you think, well, that shouldn't be a big deal, it it's stressful. <laughs> just like flying, just like just like travel. And I have had this year, or the last year and this year, it was actually important to me to be able to keep some of these dates because I live a solitary life and uh, don't have face-to-face -face contact, don't have contact without a, a mask, uh, haven't been able to eat with a fork. so. The idea of meeting somebody and having an adult conversation and eating a nice meal with a fork was like really, really a big deal to me. And repeatedly plans fall through. So I put all this effort into the connecting flights to use the analogy and drive from one coast all the way back home to get home on a certain date. And people will flake out on that in a second. And I'm so uh, spent. So anyway, my particular neurotic is uh, when, the, when the conversation reaches a point where when can we meet, I shut down because that involves a lot of stress for me <laughs> answering that question. And I get blamed for things that are way out of my control. For example, I ate his clothes right now. I have no control over when the Wyoming Department of Transportation opens and closes uh, I-80. So it is hard to make plans with me. I have mental baggage with it. And uh, and if I was a if I was uh, I would run the other way, 
if I was on the other end, I would want nothing to do with uh, me or this lifestyle. So anyway, there's, uh, I know you were just asking uh, or making a very fair comment, but, uh, and I elaborated, but um, that's another reason why I might go quiet because the subject of when can we meet is so hard to answer and nearly impossible for me to have the words to explain why it's hard to answer in a way that somebody with a normal life can understand. Okay, that's too long, too much babbling, but we're going to call it done. This ends episode four. <laughs>